0: hello and welcome to the women who sport podcast on this episode of the podcast we are joined by robin Locke, who plays for wales and gloucester she's an incredible person with an incredible story i feel like we say this every week but we're so excited about sharing it again uh, like she made us laugh and yeah she's just she's been through a lot of pretty crazy obstacles in her journey to international rugby and yeah she's an absolute legend really This podcast is sponsored by two amazing brands who we are so excited about working with. They do loads to promote women's sport and they also have absolutely fantastic products. So they are Boob Armour and Regardless. Boob Armour is a company that make breast protection. They're inserts that go inside your sports bra. They're super lightweight, they're super thin. You don't even notice them when they're in but they can allow you to play high impact or contact sport and know that your breasts are protected. We are super passionate about boob armor, as anybody who's listened for a while will know. And you can get a discount on their products with the code "women who sport." The second company that we partnered with for this series is Regardless. Regardless make custom mouth guards. You can get sent a mold from them that you mold at home, send back into their labs, and they'll send you like a dental grade mouth guard. It's so good; like we absolutely love it. It's a mouth guard that I've been wearing all season. Uh, so comfy and yeah you can do it from home which in covid times is an absolute dream and with our discount code which is WWS20 it gets you 20% off it's like 50 quid for a fully customised mouthguard. be sure to check both of those brands out they're absolutely awesome there's links to their websites and stuff all over our social media pages just before we get into the episode little side note the first couple of minutes the audio is a bit funny and we basically forgot to tell Robin to put headphones on but we sort that out a couple minutes in and then it's all plain sailing so please bear with and yeah let's get Sharon Martin on and get into it.
1: I
2: believe you can be. So we'll uh, take it back to the beginning. You were originally a netball player and then transferred to rugby at university, which is still actually early days. But when you look at sport, you generally deem university as quite a late transition. I was the same. Uh, what was it that kind of got you into rugby and thought, actually, I want to, I want to play. i want to change sport, mix it up.
3: I grew up watching my mum, my dad, my step and my brother play rugby. So like as a family, our interest was rugby, but just, I guess, accessibility into netball from school was easier, you know, in terms of being a young, a young girl, like you could, you know, get quite high with netball. There was just more leagues, there was more options to play. Like at school, it was deemed okay to play netball as a girl. You were yeah. It's like to, when you played netball, it was kind of, girls play netball, um, and boys play like rugby, football, whatever. Um, and then just got to like kind of regional level with netball and I was short. So got to the level I was and I was just being, everyone would see me then at trials and be like, what position are you mean? And I go, oh, like goal defence. And they would, I'd be marking this goal attack. It was like eight foot. I was like, "Ah, oh, you okay. You're really tall. Um, so it was kind of like my kind of reach, I guess, where I could get with netball. Um, and then went to uni and was just like, do you know what? I'm Just going to try every sport and just see what else is out there. So I tried football, I wasn't very good at football. Um, hockey was it was the same as football, like looking down, like then looking back up. It's not that's hard. Um, I tried rowing, um, nice. I like it. I, I, I wow, you know, the concept of rowing, like I was like, Yeah, really into this, love this. And they're like, Oh, we train at 5 in the morning on the marine, and I was like. And then I had a go at rugby and obviously like, I was kind of swaying towards rugby anyway, but I kind of built it up. Like it's going to be this amazing thing. Like, I, it's like in my blood, what, and then what if I do and I'm rubbish? And started playing rugby and I was like, oh my God. Like, it's like all the best bits of netball but you can run with the ball. And, you know, if you're strong and you're fast, you can just, you know, break lines. And that, that I kind of like camaraderie that comes with rugby was just, awesome I loved it so how did
2: it look back yeah that is so true I completely agree with you in terms of it is like a not a more complex netball but like a more extreme version of netball essentially
1: the 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 ball
3: handling skills like I I think I I always think that like footballers and netballers transition quite well into rugby yeah Um, but like with netball then there's the I was always getting called up for contact and it was as a sport guy, it can be quite restrictive. And I was, you know, I didn't have height on my side. So I was like, well, I've got maybe a bit of art, like a bit of a shoulder barge on my side, and that's can't do that. Um, so I then was like, right, I'll try rugby. So all the bits I wasn't able to do in netball, I could do in rugby.
2: Yeah, you could now do. Okay, yeah. And excel at might may I say. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that your mum played rugby. I believe she got to a pretty high level. Do you care to expand? So she was
3: captain of England A and you know headed they went for a tour out in South Africa. Um she played for Worcester, she played for Clifton. Um so yeah, never never got capped. But no, was the captain captain of England A and a lot of the time they would so um I think like Nolly had kind of come through and like my mum had mentored her as she went up and like uh, macca as well and kind of all those girls um so my mum was like you know they would always say to me oh I didn't quite make it to the team this year jane but it's really important that you're in the a team to help the young ones come through and keep them grounded she was like okay thank you for that <laughs> she but like in terms of then now where she sees where the england girls are she is like you know she sees nolly like doing her and she's like nolly I know nolly she was like my rugby daughter so yeah never capped but I think what she kind of gave to the legacy of where the England girls are now I think she was like I'd like to think she was a big part of it
2: yeah she must be super proud of what you've achieved with rugby in such a short space of time
3: yeah I think she's I think she's always been like she's always been like a huge support of mine and just has been like look trust your gut you know keep work hard be be coachable make sure that you are always authentically yourself don't try and try and be anyone that you think the coaches want you to be because I think that's where she thinks she went wrong she was like if I just maybe been myself a bit more I probably would have maybe like got into the to the to the England England's like senior squad but I think she's you know she is I know she's super proud of me and You know, I think when we played uh, Bar Bars, so she lives in New Zealand now, but when we played Bar Bars, um, November 2019. So we're in our hotel room and Shuan and Kelsey, like, had been in cahoots with my mum. She was coming over for Christmas anyway, but they'd been in cahoots with my mum and my mum came over to surprise me. And the day before the game, was it the day before the game? No, it was game day. Game day, like, rude. So I've got yeah. I'm doing all the girls' plaits and getting that all sorted and then I knock on my door and Courtney was my roommate at the time and she was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going for a wee, I can't answer the door, Rob. And she was like, hid. I was like, okay, well, I'll get the door then, Court. Don't worry. And I opened it and it was my mum and they've got this photo of me and my face, like, you know the emoji where the wobbly face and then yeah. a dribble. I was that guy. was that. I was like, why are you here? And then... Um, yeah so like she's you know she literally traveled around the world to see me oh
2: that's incredible game day's a tough one like game day my parents know like you just don't interact with me don't talk to me i won't be replying to you don't talk to me game day is my day to prep and be nervous and just sit in my pit of nerves
3: yeah 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 and then my mum turns up and i'm like what she's like (laughs) I was like just I was a mess um but yeah like and then Shuan was like crying Shuan was crying behind my mum Kelsey had to record it she was crying so much she forgot to press record and then like Shuan was like this is
2: so emotional
3: I was like we were all just crying it it was a mess
2: oh good times I feel like there's so many emotions in the women's game on that uh, game day at the best of days when you put yeah. family into it like when we have family at jersey presentations and stuff like that it's emotional
3: yeah I well I get emotional like just being around the girls because they do become like your family don't they and then yeah and then you actually add in like and especially with mum living so far away like I get used to just not like we we see each other once a year um but then like just completely unexpected. Like some kind of sick joke, thanks mum, like (laughs)
1: not
2: again. (laughs) Oh, bless. Well, going back to rugby then, so kind of in your early years of your rugby career, you captained your university side. Um, What was it like to be a captain um, that early on in your career? And what sort of leadership styles or what was your kind of leadership philosophy um, during that period?
3: So I, I was, I, so I'd captained within Netball before. Um, yeah. So I'd kind of been used to, you know, captaining the team. And then I think, I dunno, I'm quite like with, I guess when it comes to my leadership skills, I just want everyone to be like the best they can be. And then as a captain, I guess I, I saw my role as very much motivating the girls, but also like leading by example. So, you know, like the whole, You know, you wouldn't throw throw the towel in if it got hard. It's about, you know, you go that little bit extra to help the girls out who you see are struggling. But I also think just being somebody that everyone was like, look, I can be really honest with you. I trust you. Um, So I guess it's hard, isn't it? Like, how do you, and like, I take my hats off to all the girls who captain internationally or like at premiership level, because like there's that extra pressure of like performance that comes into it. Like uni, rugby, you know, it was it was a laugh. We did have fun. A lot of the girls, it's their first time playing rugby um, and they're doing it as a bit of a social. Yes, you have your varsity games that are kind of like your performance stuff. But, you know, like for me, it was quite easy because, yeah, you want to bring some fun into it and make sure the girls work hard and get their heads down. But at a premiership level, you've got that added pressure and like at international level, it's mental. So yeah, like, I guess my leadership skill is trying to get the best out of everyone, but I, d- I think, like, that job at an international or, like, elite level, that's hard.
0: Yeah, that's, like, really cool that you got that experience of captaining in a rugby sense, like, so early on in your playing career. Right. And, yeah, a lot of the ways that you just described being captain some similar to, like, your mum's approach to the game, so that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah,
3: yeah I guess I've probably got my, like, I, you know and a lot of people who see me and my mum together are like oh my god you're the same person so I'm the spitting image of my dad who is like a bold 60 year old man which is great um but I am like my mum like we're the same brain so obviously I'm like mum being captain of England A and I just saw her and like you know as a captain you're not trying to be everyone's friend but you need to make sure that everyone can trust you you're not trying to be like best buds and like, I want to make sure everyone likes me. Sometimes you've got to have some hard conversations with people who maybe aren't pulling their weight or, you know, are feeling a bit low and going through one of those rugby lulls where they're like, I don't know, I'm not sure if I like it anymore. So yeah. you, know, you have those peaks and troughs. But I think ultimately I didn't really change, like me, myself, in my personality. I think I'm I'm very sociable. I'm an extrovert. And as a captain, I think I was the same.
0: Cool, um, love it, right, yeah. <laughs> sorry I was just thinking in my head like our next is about cancer and I don't know how to like <laughs> no. smoothly like, be like so <laughs> No, I uh,
3: muted myself because I was like what well, yeah. I can go with this one <laughs> <That sounds laughs> Do you know what though, this is the thing like so people, it is like the big pink elephant in the room and like some people will be like Well oh, so you know like you know when you like <laughs> i'm like yeah and then because and also like it's such an individual thing so like sometimes i think that like you know i i prep myself to say like oh i I've, I've had cancer but like somebody else can just come out and know like oh so with your cancer and you go whoa like don't like don't come at me yeah. what, what do you mean like but on you know, my terms there is no easy way to transition into that <laughs>
0: yeah look at our questions we probably could have planned it better than what's your leadership philosophy so you had cancer and yeah. um, you know we're but learning but you know what tough times make great leaders
2: so yes. that is one way nice. we can bridge it into this convo
3: so do you mm-hmm. feel like um your leadership skills helped you
0: deal with <laughs> that thing Um, No like we are like I think like everybody getting to play international sport is so special but the fact that yours happened after beating cancer is like just such an amazing story and one that as well like I don't think people know about like I've played against you before and I didn't know that until like you and Bonner met independently so I think it's like it's one that we're really excited to share because like uh, yeah it is incredible and so yeah I guess when you were so when you were 21 same time you were captain in the university rugby team was when you got your diagnosis so yeah would you be able to please tell us about that yeah
3: so I um so just um started to so I was working away um and I was working on like a like a summer camp thing for you know international students so I was one of the sports coaches and um just started to get really unwell and they were less like oh you just caught like a cold off of like one of the kids and is one of those that like a similar to like a pressure flu um and it just didn't go away and I started to lose weight and obviously because I was working away in London you know I would like FaceTime my family and they were like whoa you've lost loads of weight like your face is like really slim and I was like oh baby this is me getting into my adult body now I'm and <laughs> um and I've never been like a, a petite frame and then um, I was like well I'm in a routine like I've, I've Like, my weeks looked like this. I'm working full-time. Maybe this is me. I'm a woman now. And then just, it kept, the weight kept coming off. And then I was struggling to breathe. So I knew something was up, and I went to the doctors. And that was in, so I first went to the doctors in September. So they then tested me for, like, asthma. Like, my peak flow, I had to do it over a week. And, like, the average peak flow is, like, 650 for an adult. Um, And mine was 150. And then... i i remember we were away so i finished working i was back at uni i was doing like a field trip um because i was i did marine biology at uni so we were doing this field trip away and there was one girl on our course she was just a bigger girl like wasn't sporty or anything and obviously where i was sporty she overtook me on a hill walking to like back to the accommodation and i was like and she wasn't out of breath and i was like gasping i was like okay like no judgment like Big girls, whatever, like, but like she wasn't. I knew I was fitter than her. I was supposed to tackle this hill better than her. And I was like, yeah. so I remember I phoned Shuan because I was like, I've been working so hard, I haven't slacked pre season, I promise you, but I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I don't know what's going on. I can't walk up a hill. I haven't, I've been running, I've been doing all this stuff you wanted us to do. She was like, just go to the doctors. So went to the doctor's um chest x ray. I had um liquid on my lung. So my which lung? Left lung. I had to do my left and right then. My left lung had collapsed. Um, it I had pleural infusion and my lung was full of tumours. Um so that they had, yeah, and then my mum flew back from New Zealand, you know, I kept losing weight. I think I went down to something like eight stone, um, which wasn't fun. Um and then they they kind of look, looked for biopsies. They checked me for lumps, and I'm still to this point. I'm like, yeah, they think it's TB. I'll be fine. Like, ten weeks of antibiotics, and I'll be back for the first game of rugby. Don't worry, guys. Um, and they they took this biopsy. So the doctor was like, have you got any lumps? I was like, I've got this one lump on my neck, but <laughs> and he took it, um, and then I was diagnosed with lymphoma, and went for the scans and stuff, and I had it. So stage four, so it's it's come out of my lymphatic system into my lungs, um had it all in my upper body. Like you have auxiliary glands, which are in your armpits, and but basically what they'd said is, you know, this is this hasn't happened like from when you first started feeling poorly in the summer, and I was like, well, I've I don't these lumps, I've never felt them, I've not been like, I'll oh, just ignore this lump. Yeah, um, and he was like, well also what's happened is the tumors have grown in. So it's not like you've had this one lump that's come out on your neck, or your auxiliary gland is like, the lump's grown out, it's gone in. And he was like, but you, you're fit and healthy, so your like your body's fought it and kept it at bay, and then you had this you know, illness in the summer, your immune system focuses on that, and the cancer's just been able to basically explode, like, and just go for it. Um, so I was like okay well how long do you think I've lived with this and he was like probably about a year and a half to like you know yeah. like almost two years I was like what well, like when my in my first year like went to uni and it might have been in me and I just really struggled with that mentally because I was like you know I, you keep your body in shape to be a rugby player like you train you put yeah. the right things in your body like even at uni I was very like I was disciplined um like I gymmed all the time I tried to keep myself fit and I was like and there was like something inside me that was like so evil like what the fuck like that's so like I kind of went into survival the mode then like I was like right what what do I need to do he was like okay we need to be we need to figure out what's the best king therapy. what's the best like treatment um it so much that they i wasn't able to have radiotherapy they were like we don't know where this started in your body so if you relapse we'll then figure out where the source is so your chances of relapsing you know you've got to think about that you've got to have that in the back of your mind so then i had 6 months of chemotherapy so every 2 weeks i would have chemotherapy um and yeah just went into i think i guess like survival mode and i think you know i wanted to play rugby for wales pre cancer but I think then when somebody goes stop you like you can't do what you want to do for a year you need to live go back home you need to pretty much be in and out of hospitals and that's really it that's all you can do I think it just drove me more I was like how dare you take this away from me just you wait until I can get back on that field (laughs) and I I think it just it just kept me going obviously mum was a massive motivator she said to me like look, you got this year, what, what do you want to do? Yes, she was like, yeah, we've got to go to hospital and this, this minor, like, cancer, don't worry. What else do you want to achieve? And I was like, I don't want to come back to the... I don't want to finish, like, have my pick line taken out. Ta-da, you've done, like, and then be, like, put in remission and then have to think about getting back to rugby. I want to pretty much. Like, I'm just rugby now, but I don't want anything to stop me any further i.e my fitness levels or you know like where i'm at with the game or like staying in touch with my teammates just stuff like that like so shook me up but i think it's i don't know to sound like a a huge cliche but i think it has shaped like me today most definitely
2: massively god that's so tough and when you're going in and out of chemo like was that just mentally an absolute slog
3: would and um, so i finished so my chemo was um they loads of chemo is different so like uh, so my best friend libby six months before me was diagnosed with lymphoma as well Jesus. Um, we were in the same course at uni like we lived together at uni but her treatment was very different to mine so she had something called r chop which was far more invasive um and i had something called abdv um just because i'm like that's why it blows my mind i'm like what like you treat it so differently and they're like yeah well, it all depends on you know how it's spread or you know what stage you are so i would have it every two weeks so like i finished the first one and i was a bit like i was ready for, to feel like the absolute worst i've ever felt i finished it and i was like okay like number one done like 12 more to go and the doctor was like how do you feel I was like I don't really know like I've been prepared to feel like I've like literally someone comes up to you and, like punches you in the face um and he was like okay but because you it's a two, two week cycle you are going to progressively get worse so you might feel okay after your number one he was like number two number three it's gonna it is by 12 I did feel like a walking zombie just like like it's such a hard thing to describe but literally just like you like you're a shell like that's the only way I can try and describe it is like and almost like you see all these things happening in front of you and like you know needles going into you and like but it's all just you just get a bit like like everything's tinted over you're looking at it through like frosted glass like it's not really it's such a hard thing to try and like take in and understand and I don't think until you know I really struggled to like talk about it afterwards I was almost like right cool Ch- cheers bye tada and my mum was like you need to be prepared for when this hits you like because it will just it will come back into your life one day and like hit you um and I had a relapse scare um so I finished chemo in the May no finished chemo in the April had the pick line taken out finished um was put into remission in May yeah and then was having scans and my doctor phoned me in September that year to be like look we're not happy with um one of your scans look it could be a relapse it could be and I was I was at back at Swansea Uni doing pre-season so like took this doctor's call out of so I was in training was like hello hi doctor him to be like it's fine you're great like good luck for the season um and I just had to try and hold like hold myself together um and but I'm really fortunate it was just a rebounding um gland so it just sometimes it rebounds in a funny shape um and it was my thymus gland and but he was like that's not its normal shape so that's why it was alarm bells for us And he literally had to over the phone be like, look, if it is the worst case scenario, you're gonna need to quarantine in hospital for pretty much a year because you'll need a blood transfusion. You'll need like all these things. And like, almost like, you know, when you're like this close to like getting your life back and then it hits you again. And I was just like, I'm not, I can't, I don't know what to do. But then he phoned me back a week later and was like, it's a, it's a rebound in time. like, you're fine. And like to have that like scare, from that point, I then was like, oh my God, I really don't want, I'm not prepared to have something like that happen to me again. And it's just really real. So I then like on every night out, I would like cry and you know, like I would be like triggered by like the smallest things. So like somebody who like was like, I'm losing a bit of weight. I'm like, don't talk to me. Um, You need to go to the doctors. It's gonna, it's really bad. And like, just like not rational at all. And I was like, I really need to come to terms with it. So like I have phone counselling, like I just, you know, I would like, so my, my step-mum blessed her, so she would get like counselling through work as a service. And she was like, just ring these people, Rob. So I run them, I spoke to them, you know, I spoke to like other people who had gone through it, just to like really be like, I'm okay with what's happened to me because off the back of that, then I've been able to help other people. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's something that like, obviously in a in a perfect world nobody would have to deal with it but unfortunately people do and you know like I was very much supported like when I admitted I need some support but I felt so sorry for my mum she pretty much had to just watch her daughter like and she was like I I, there's nothing I can do I can't do anything can I except for just like try and make sure nothing else around you goes bad so you know me and her were very much in survival mode and like I think after it finished, we were a bit like, right, that was it then. Like, right, okay, well, what what do you want to do now? I was like, I don't know. Like, it's just this monumental thing that you just, it's nuts.
2: God, that's mental. I'm like, (laughs) I'm speechless.
3: Like, like even now I talk about it, like, I get a bit hot and I'm like, oh my, I'm going to swear. Oh my fucking God, like, that happened to me.
2: Yeah. yeah I've got like a lump in my throat hearing
3: that and like I've almost like there's there's times when I want to because like and this is I was quite big on like keeping my hair short and I was a bit like do I just keep my hair like shaved forever like in solidarity for anyone I see who like might? and I'm like her, i I'm with you like you need someone like I'm here like I'll just keep my head shaved forever because like this the telltale signs like the 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 no eyebrows like the hair or someone with a headscarf like the like the, the shit people would say to me in shops, like, oh, "How long have you got?" I'm like, "Excuse me, Jen, how long have you got before you need to walk away from me before I smash you with this banana in my hand?" Like, yeah, like what the fuck? But like, I, there's almost I was saying to Livia, I was like, "Cause like you grow your hair out, and there's no more like telltale signs." But I almost want like, I was like, I want people to know that like, if you're going through something like please talk to me like your problem isn't less worse than mine because of what I've been through and she was like you yeah, know Rob you can just you don't need to have like a, a tattoo on you that's like a, a sign just she was like work with charities like speak to people about it like be really open about your journey because then somebody goes I know I can speak to Rob I was like you're absolutely fine I was like, I don't know how to like help other people but I want to like be a champion for people who are going through shit
0: yeah you're exactly. an ambassador now, aren't you, for Rugby Against Cancer? Yes.
3: Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, well, I I came on board with Rugby Against Cancer um, like a, a few months ago now, and they're they're basically this, this amazing charity that like uses the medium of like the rugby community to help people, um, and it's that kind of whole that extended family and just yeah. very similar to what like Click Sergeant or like. Um, uh, what's the like click sergeant or like millen might do they might just bring a little bit of light to, to families who are who are bat, who are dealing with cancer but they use it through like the rugby community um and aaron the guy who runs it he's he's amazing but you know i i, I messaged them on instagram and i was a bit like hey okay rugby i've gone through this like i really want to help you guys because it's it, it's everywhere and yeah. If there's something I can do to like just spread the word or spread awareness, um, like just to, just to help people, like, please, please, can I? And they've been great. They're like, yeah, let, let's get you on board. So yeah, it's been amazing. And I know that they're um, Burford's involved now, like Donna Rose, Clara Nielsen, like they're all, Vicky Cornborough is, 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 is part of the, uh, the ambassador group as well. So, you know, the more people we've got, the more people that spread the word the more families we can help because yeah,
2: no, it, it is horrendous Got and you spoke about your hair before was that like a bit of a defining moment during your treatment that you're like shit's just got real or did it hit you before that or because i know after speaking to to people that i've had i've kind of gone through that that was quite a big deal for them how did you mm-hmm. take it
3: so i like i had hair like down to like Past my titties, it was so long and beautiful, and it was like curly, and it was this like balayage, like beautifulness. I loved it, and like my hair was like my like my defining thing. Like I always had like this big like lion hair mane thing going on, um and I I remember like I said I went into survival mode. I went into almost like fight mode. So like when the doctor like sat me and Mum down and was like, look it's, you know, you've got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was like, lymphoma, that's like, that's cancer, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, and mum was like, and I just went, well, I'm gonna have to donate my hair because I'm not, it's not going down a plug hole. Just like, that was my response. Like, okay, what's the plan of action then? Like ridiculous response. Like I didn't really cry. Like I was almost like, cool, step one is what? And yeah. so I then, so I said to my mum, I was like this, like I've grown my hair for years. Like there's no, absolutely no way. I'm, I'm not wearing a cold cap and then it's thinning. And some, some women wear cold caps because it is a big thing to them. But I was like, I can't, I can't sit there with a cold cap and then want to cling on to hope that my hair will stay in my head and it might not. And I'm gonna, it's gonna like, it's just not gonna be me. I'm gonna be clinging onto something that it is gonna go. So I, I plaited, it, I cut it. I got my friend to just cut my hair short. So when it fell out, it wasn't a, it wasn't so like, like devastating to me. Um, yeah. So I donated my my plait to the Little Princess Trust, which make wigs um, for little girls who are dealing, well, little girls and, and, well, and little boys and, and women and men who are dealing with um, just hair loss through alopecia or, you know, cancer treatment. Um, but I did get, I got my eyebrows tattooed on because I was like, I cannot, because mum was like, well, right. So I was like, I'm going to look like an egg. I'm going to look like an egg. I can't. And because I've got such big eyebrows, (laughs) um, I was like, I need to, I need a template for when they grow back because they're going to grow back or I'm going to try and draw them on and they'll sweat off and I'm going to have one. And it's just going to be that like, I didn't want to look like a cancer patient. Um, so I was like, i got my eyebrows tattooed on and stuff like that. But yeah, the hair loss, um, I think the minute I started to feel like, so I remember, um, I think it was like my third treatment. Um, and I literally thought like, like you have one treatment and you would just like, and it would like pull off and they were like, no, it doesn't happen like that. It just, so my, after my third treatment, I remember just like, getting back from, and it, then I was like, oh, Okay. This, Shit, it's happening. I was like, shave it off, Mum. i I'm not dealing with this. Like so only like only little bits were falling out. Like you couldn't tell that my hair was falling out drastically. But I was like, get rid of it. Cause I'm not then like having bit just bin it, get rid of it. And because I'd already got rid of like sentimentally I'd sent off and done good with my the hair that I loved, I was like, just shave it off, let's go. Um yeah. so yeah, I think and in a weird sense, I knew I had six months of treatment, and I was like, "Like, I've got, to, I've got a fight. I've got to fight cancer. I, I don't want to fight hair loss as well. I will just, just one of the things that needs to go. I'll yeah. deal with. I'll, my hair will grow back. So, yeah. God, I'm like sorry to be no. this is why I bought the banana leaf backgrounding because then you know i thought it's a little brightens the mood
2: <laughs> no your story sure like, is like,
3: incredible I, whenever i talk about it and i can i think i do go to that funny side of things because that's how i cope
2: yeah it's your coping mechanism
3: It is my coping mechanism is to like okay like i'll make people laugh around me so that they they know it's okay
1: mm.
3: like even like like treatment wise i remember we had um so one of the one of the um so actually so before i was diagnosed my sister we i lost my nephew he was two and a half his he was his name was seb and he had um a will 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 Will's tumor in his kidney so he had a little pick line so a pick line is something that um they use to administer chemo so basically when you've got like hard drugs that you need to administer they would They'll use this pick line, and the pick line sits just above your heart. So they basically like it, say it's like taking a lorry onto the motorways, and then your transit van's gone to the, the A roads, and then your car's gone to the B roads, rather than trying to put it through a cannula, which is a smaller vein. Um, and Sebi unfortunately had contracted septicemia through his, pep, uh, his pick line, and he his body like shut down in 24 hours. So. I was diagnosed with cancer in the in the I was diagnosed in October, but Sebi had got passed away late September. Um, so I was like adamant. I was like, there's no fucking way you're putting a pickline line in me. I'm not doing it. Um, so my first chemo was done through a cannula. One of the drugs was like endlessly painful. Um, they had to put like my arm in an ice bath to make sure that I to basically numb my arm so they could like put the drugs into me. And I was like, go for it, pump it right up at the level you need. And my arm like felt like it was on fire. I was like, okay, take it down a bit, take the level down a bit. So they like slowed the, the kind of the, the drip that it goes through. They slowed like slowed the time that it comes through. I was like, okay, bit down a bit more. It's still too painful. I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's, I can cope with that. How long will that take? They're like, that's, that at that level, that's going to take eight hours to administer into your body. I was like, wow, well, I, well fuck all else to do, have I? you're taking me out of uni so I may as well sit here um and they used to give free sandwiches and on the on the hematology ward so I was like well I've got my dinner sorted anyway and the nurse was like how could you just crack a joke but it was my sister then rung me and was like S- Sebby's mum Kelly and she was like you need to have a pickline, rob like what happened to Seb was a, this freak accident like you need it, you can't you can't punish yourself like out of like solidarity for Seb, you like it's right that you get a pick line. So, like, there was like, it was such a turbulent like thing to go through.
0: Like but for you and for your family, like yeah. going through all that in such a short space of time.
3: Literally, and like, I think the reason why I I kept a real positive mental attitude. I had like such strong women around me, like my sisters, my mother, my stepmom, like you know, my auntie Karen. Like they they were, like they were just like we're going to get through this. Like, we have to get through this. It's going to be okay. And I was like, okay, it's going to be all right. So, you know, my support system was amazing.
0: And what was the support like from the rugby community and like your teammates at uni in that, in that year that you were battling cancer, but also when you were then like reintegrating back into the uni team after, were they all amazing? Oh, they were. So the girls that I was, I was playing,
3: so I used to play for Swansea, um, RFC and my my stepdad's army friends, they put on a um, ruck, ruck against cancer, like a charity game. And it was the army girls, and they played all of like my my rugby girls. Um and they like they drove down from Swansea, they drove to um, where did where did we play in the end? Where was it? My memory, my memory's so bad. So <laughs> we played somewhere near Sirencester. My dad will be like that, you donkey, it was here. Somewhere near Sirencester... And like we played and then they all, we all went to the army mess afterwards and there was this big massive party and it was a massive fundraiser and the girls like were just like anything that was going for auction. They were like, yeah, hundred pounds. I'm like, you can't afford that. They're like, I don't care. It's going to help someone. Like they were just like huge like champions for like me and what I was going through. But also then like we want to represent Robin and what, what, what her rugby family is like in Swansea and, um, so they were amazing you know like the uni girls you know like they got me like a subscription to a magazine for a year and you know like everyone was just fantastic like Libby made me this little chemo box and just like all the little sensory things that would help me out like they were like unbelievable and then coming back into rugby I remember the first thing I went into was um because I used to to play sevens hilarious when I was faster (laughs) and slimmer um but we went into um Osprey Sevens training and that was the first thing I did when I came back and I remember we were just playing a touch or something and like the one time I like made a break in touch and then scored a try and then she went I remember she went and being like oh my god she's back she was like Rob I think you fit in when you left I'm like thanks like that was the <laughs> one thing I wanted to hear was like I'm not going to come back and be that like sick girl on the team like oh bless her like just go through this give her a little bit of chance like no if I'm if I'm unfit tell me like so to come back and hear that and then just like jump straight into like my old life and actually probably
0: just enjoy it a a hell lot more was like
3: that was pretty special
0: oh that's incredible like I love to hear that and when then did it because you said that you wanted to play for Wales before you were diagnosed with cancer so I guess how quickly after it was it like right like I want to get my cap.
3: um well like pretty much well my mum <laughs> so yeah I was like that um, <laughs> um now can I have it um no so my mum had said like look what, what do you want to do like what's your goal I was like about you know going back and being as fit as I could be and not being that like burden on a team and you know like that whole year I was like what do I want to do I, I what. I want to play for Wales. I want to be an international rugby player. Like I couldn't do it at a netball level. And actually rugby is that sport where regardless of your height, your size, your weight, you're celebrated in a position. There is a position for you. I was like, this is, this is my sport. I found it and I I want to represent it at the highest level. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it, you know, I still had to wait for my residency because I'd I'd had that year away then it kind of, I had to wait another extra year before I was able to play for Wales. But I was like, it's going to happen. It needs to happen. It's part of my fantasy. I can't, it doesn't, not getting a cap doesn't fit in with my fantasy. Can't happen. (laughs) Being the diva that I am.
2: No, absolutely smashed it. And I bet you that first cap felt ever so sweeter after, haven't been through what you'd been through
1: Mm.
3: and like so it was like I remember when I got um called up into the Welsh squad and it was the 2nd of October uh 2020 and my
1: 2020
3: 2019 and my mum was like um I phoned her I was like I made the Welsh squad and she was like Rob do you know what day it is I was like Tuesday she's like no like it's 2nd of, Octo- it's 2nd of uh, October, 2019. But like your first, like your chemo started 2nd of October,
2: 2014.
3: Jesus. I was like, oh yeah. And then like, obviously I made a status about it. Then like, look, it, like, cause I just think social media is riddled with just like bullshit negativity. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to put out this message. And if it makes somebody go, that is, that is a wonderful story that I can talk to someone about over dinner and it's going to make us feel good. Or that's amazing. I'm going through a low, low at the moment. This is giving me that little shining light that I needed to hear about. And obviously then you got like, all the, you know, it was a good story. So then I remember after the first year, um, the Welsh girls find me because they were like first, first time in camp and you had like four media stories on you. you like, everyone wanted to know about you. And so I remember Snowy being like, do you know how long I've been here? No one cares about me. <laughs> so, that yeah. will make a highlight reel <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone just to just to like put in there p.s everyone does care about snow. she's <laughs>
2: um on that have you got any highlights uh for playing for Wales so far
3: um obviously my first cat you know we we they capped a lot of girls in the autumn um in the um Autumns that year, so there was a lot of girls that got their chance, and obviously we didn't get the result we wanted against Spain, but just it being my first cap and like singing the national Anthem for the first time being like
2: holy shit, it's happening. Wait, um, was your first cap against Spain too? Yeah. Mine was as well. No way. Oh, and I remember going on right there. Sorry, I'm cutting in your story here, but this is quite funny. Sorry no, um, about me. <laughs> <laughs> you'll like this one. You really appreciate it. In the training camp, in the run up to it, um, we'd been discussing like the rules and the laws around the rock. And our coach at the time had—he kind of taken it out of context because he basically wanted us to get good line speed. But I took it quite literally. He was like, "As soon as the nines got our hands on the ball, you fucking go." So I was like, I didn't realize that was the case. I remember checking with Rach, the captain, who so the Scottish captain now. We both had a discussion clear as day we we're like yeah must be we'll go for it anyway so we're so switched on first cat buzzing literally first instant within the game garcia hands on the ball I was like my fucking time to shine I'm at guard at this point I pelt it into her and the girl hasn't even lifted the ball off the ground He's like Ping! I'm like oh get it now there's the answer but yeah it was my first cat man okay, you this is your phone yeah, like, your fault. You did this. You told me I could do I'm this. Very, I'm a very literal learner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, going back to your first cap against Spain.
3: Yeah, so like back to me now. Um, yeah. But no, so we, you know, we didn't get the result we wanted against Spain. But I was a bit like, like you presented your cap. I was like, here. And the girl's like, you've got to wear it. I was like, what wrong my cap? Like, this is great. But um, no, and but then obviously in that, sorry, girls, but then we obviously got the result we wanted against Scotland and that was that was a good day <laughs> sorry um, but yeah like just that that whole autumn's campaign and then like finishing it off with the Crochets game um, and then finishing it in the principality against the Barbars like that whole it was almost like this is this all that year of like hard shit the, uh, it was if this was the way my life was meant to like the path that I was on worth it like all that pain for then that like <gasps> oh my god it's happened i'm here and then obviously like six nations and just and i just think like just being in the setup with the girls as well and like the girls that you get to meet and then like you know then going and playing for gloucester and being part of that setup like it's all just been amazing and i just I it's hard for me to like I've obviously got highlights but like every training session even like the shit ones you have i'm like Do you know what this is so much better than being sat in a hospital bed feeling like shit like every 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 almost every training session every every time i get to play rugby it's a blessing
0: that's what you should say to people when they're moaning about the rain and stuff you should be like well this is um, better than when i was in hospital yeah, I, know. A lot. <laughs> I know and then they're like that
3: all right Rob, we're getting it. All right, we get it You're
0: Um, No, that's amazing. And yeah, to play at the Principality Stadium, what more could you want as, like, a Welsh player?
3: I've been really lucky, actually. I've played there three times. So we played with um, Welsh varsity. So the first time we beat Cardiff, and we haven't beaten Cardiff for years, I was captain. And we absolutely stuffed them. And it was in the Principality. And, like, my dad was there and my sister's there and, like, giving it the big one. I was like, this is it. So that was my, that used to be my rugby career highlight. And then we played um, in the cup final. We played there when we play um, for Swansea. So Swansea versus Quantiplein for the Welsh Cup. And then obviously got to play there with for Wales as well. So oh, the stadium itself, like the grass, it feels like, um, you know, like a gymnastics trampoline, like trumpet floor. You just feel really bouncy on it. <laughs> like it's amazing. It's like, and just like the stadium, you get very lost. You walk around and you're like, where's the... Where do we enter? It's just a couple more miles. It's like a warm-up walking to the pitch.
0: I've never been, like, not even to watch a game. Like, it's pretty high up on the bucket list. Ah, it's it's amazing. Do you know what? When this all lifts, come over, we'll treat you. We'll all go Scotland-Wales at Principality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you initially played as a back row, but you've recently transferred to Hooker, and I think late transitions is, like, something that we see a lot of in the yeah. women's game. Um, so, yeah, I guess, how has that been for you? And like, what advice would you have for other players that are, have been told that, you know, they're gonna play the front row, which some people would argue is not as glamorous as the back row.
3: No, um, be, it is hard work. It, like, real talk, the hardest No, it's not the hardest thing I've had to do. Let's get a bit real there. Real talk, the hardest thing in rugby I've had to do. Like, it is such a close skill. And it has really tested me, like, mentally. Like, like so obviously I came to Gloucester and, you know, like, I'm an international back row. So, like, haven't been a novice, like, you're really rubbish at this skill in, in quite a long time. Obviously you always try and get better, but being a novice at something, like, I'm not, I haven't hook a throne. So, like, then going to Gloucester training and, like, being... A, pre-season everyone being like, oh what position do you play I'm like hooker no like, oh great like oh my god it's lush to have like a hooker like you fit like you're running around you play like a back row I'm like you do see bro row yet. I have not started that journey but like I also didn't it did it in terms of like where we were with the Welsh squad there was there was not a lot of depth at hooker and also like you know I'm 28 I'm not I'm getting older in the international setup, which is crazy because in the real world I'm not old, but in rugby terms, like, like everyone's really young. Yeah, everyone seems young. So like, there's like Georgia Brock, and I'm like, how old are you? She's like, I'm nineteen. 19 <laughs> And you like prim- nineteen. I was like, like I was not this good. Like you're really good, and but yeah, so obviously. Front row have got a little bit like a bit more longevity in their career. Um, And just, I'm a bit like, you know, if I can be a dynamic hooker that like the modern game needs, yeah, like let's have a crack, let's go for it. So it has been super hard and I'm still, I've still got a long way to go. Um, But Gloucester have been amazing. Like, so working with like Will Crane, um, working with like Strats, you know, like Connie, Kelsey, you know, Ellie Gill, they've all been fantastic and like fully on board with like your, your, your developing as a hooker and like believing in me. Because actually, it's the hardest thing. Like, you do it and you just don't believe in yourself. So I yeah. had to really work like, not only have I had to work like actually on skill, find the process, like timing, the actual technical side to throw in, it is a massive mental game. And I had no idea what I was getting up. I'm not like, yeah, like I used to play netball, like we used to do overhead throws all the time. He's pissed. And it like some like so, you know, I had a bit of a low the other week of training, and I was looking around and I was like, oh, I absolutely shot myself in the foot here, like going, I'll go hook up. Like, and they go, You're not very good. And then I'm like, I could have just come here, kept my mouth shut, and just been a back row. And like just, and, you know, and with transition to promo as well, I have to gain about 10 kilos, which isn't great for your self-esteem because like then you, this bit hangs over and my jeans don't fit anymore, but I'm okay with it. I'm fine. Like I'm not fine. I'm getting there. I'm getting fine with it. It's okay. <laughs> like,
2: but... Keep telling yourself that.
3: Yeah, I'm not that. It's okay. Like the scale's got that. 8 two, 5, I go... <laughs> <laughs> but... But obviously, I've had to change my body quite a bit. And so with that, there's a bit of a, like, you compromise your fitness to keep to keep the same weight, but then get your fitness back to where it was. So it has been, like, a huge transition. Um, But I think that biggest thing for me has been, like, my mental state around it. And it has taught me, like, you've got to be so resilient when you're trying to learn a new skill. Like, you just – and there's, like, I won't give up because I think I – I would never forgive myself I just went, I had a go. How long did you try it for? Oh, a season. Okay. What? And you thought you were just gonna get really good in one season. So like I know I'm on a journey. I am really loving the journey because you know, there is nothing better than you throw in the ball and like it's something you've been working on for ages and you just nail it and you get double tops, and then you're like <gasps> I did, I did that. And then you like run with a little skip and your you're like, let's go, let's play rugby. But it is, it has been so, so hard. But, you know, Linny, Django, Craney, like Bird, the whole Gloucester setup has been like fully on board with supporting me. Um, so I like, I'm not going to give up because what a waste of their energy if I was just going to kind of think it would be an easy ride and then go,
1: oh yeah,
3: oh, they're founcing that. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna waste their time like that. But uh, yeah, it has been difficult. But you know, my advice to somebody who's like thinking about changing positions, you know, there was an element of selfishness to my decision. It meant that I could play play in an international set maybe longer. You know, there's potentially less less. There was less competition at Hooker, um, but also like you fully got to be prepared to put in the hours. To relearn a whole new skill, like scrummaging as a flanker, very different than scrummaging as a hooker. Like your leg, my right leg wrecks the whole time. It's like this, it's like shaking. And then the, there's like this crouch and you wait for it. And it and like, then the bind, you're like, oh my God, it's killing me. Set. And then your leg's dead. That's it. And then and then it collapses. And then you break your nose. Like.
2: Face I, I, face
3: know, I know, yeah. like that and then you get up and it's just all over your face but as no bigger,
0: I feel like awful when like if I knock it on the fact that like eight of my friends have to come over and scrum <laughs> like because of something I've done like it's, do it's do it? not right
3: just forwards like would be like that you know,
0: like, <laughs> just
3: squashed <laughs> and I used to say that as a background and like we've because at the moment with the covid rules like the, there's just less scrum there's all these free kicks and everyone runs around and it's basically like sevens so it's ridiculous but then you go into so we're going into this like back into six nations and Kara's hell was like girls we we need to scrummage more because we're going to go back to like knock-ons is scrummage and our legs you haven't had the legs your legs under tension and Kelsey turns to me and she's like, you're not ready for that. Like, it, it is horrendous. And I was like, oh, great, can't wait. Fantastic. She's like, honestly, when you see a back or anyone knock it on, you just want to, like, choke
0: them." Yeah, it must be different when it's one of your own, but when it's, yeah, someone in the wing, I can imagine.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. No, you? <laughs> you're going to be great. Releases though, because then everyone will be, like, targeting, like, Lockie's on the pitch and she doesn't like scrummaging Let's have it. <laughs> Reverse psychology. I'm actually sick of throwing and I love scrummaging. Bring it on.
2: Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So I guess moving away from the pitch, you kind of juggling a few different bits at the moment. You can. Kind of, you're an author of children's books or working on children's books. Yeah. Uh, you're working at leisure centre. You got diddy rugby. You're juggling an awful lot. Do you care to tell us a little bit more about that and, and how you do it?
1: Um, yeah, so I
3: would always... So the, the children's book has kind of kind of come hand in hand with the rugby. So when I, I used to work um, with Swansea Council and we used to run like a, a literacy scheme where you would find a book and then create PE lessons around that book. So we were using it to kind of give teachers the tools to take a book that might be on the syllabus for english and how do you turn this into a sports lesson and how do you make sports relative rather than just going just go play tag like how do you inspire children to like love reading and love being active and we were looking me and my friend um jenna who i used to work with we were looking for we were looking at like right what books are good and I was like, there's loads of books around like caring and love and sharing and there's a new baby sister and there's loads of stuff on bears and bear hunts and like these animals. There's absolutely minimal stuff on like fundamental skills and like being sporty. Like, there wasn't really much, like, not really stuff on like riding a bike, nothing like, nothing on like catching. And I remember saying, I was like, I'm gonna write a book. Jen was like, okay, yeah, that could, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I then phoned um, Vicky and I just said, like Look, I, I really want to write a book. Um, and I think I'm going to go for it. Um, do you want to help me? Do you want to fund it basically? <laughs> Cause I was like that. I've looked and publishing a book is quite expensive. Um, and <laughs> I, and, but then she was, you know, she, she'd always wanted to kind of get into that side of things, you know, with children's books. So I did the manuscript and, and things like that and just, yeah, we went for it. We published, we went self-published and I am now the author of Dougie can catch. That is class. Where can you get this book from? Where can you get it from? You can buy it from the Diddy Rugby website.
2: Can you? Right, I'm getting on there. We'll get a photo when we uh, what's the word, advertise this episode and we'll (laughs) whack it in there. Yeah, that's class.
1: I did a little
3: reading to it and I was so nervous when I did this reading, I kept getting the words wrong to my own. It's like a children's rhyming book. And I was like that. "Um, Oh, how I was like so nervous. I bet you they were like that. She didn't like this. This is a robot This this one a liar. Like reading it like a robot. No, like who is it? Was it um Tom Hardy when he did um the like bedtime story? Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be like that. I'm gonna be like real. Like I'm gonna read the story lovely, and they'll be like, oh my god, she's so good. Of course, she's an author. It's like that hello children
2: she a channel journey of Gillian Anderson in
3: I know hello yeah. there with my leg like, run. yeah and my pencil skirt yeah
2: <laughs> that's brilliant so what is next for you what what have you got coming up what's on the cars what's your future goals and ambitions same question so that is a really big question I'll just give you a second to digest that <laughs> yeah so um What's next for me? So,
3: um, I'm I'm keen on. I really want to be a mum. I want to start a family. Um, so I've, I've spoken to Andrew about it a little bit, but he doesn't, you know. I was like, we're gonna have children, yeah. He was like, uh, yeah. I was like, okay. He was like, well, when? I was like, obviously not now. Like, we've got to have dinner first, but. Soon. <laughs> but no, so obviously, yeah. My ultimate, like, you know, I want to, I want to start thinking about like a family and you know but short term we've got six nations i've got you know if linney would have me i'd love to stay on with gloucester um and then we've got you know world cup to think about um but i guess like because i'm quite big on and i guess you think about this in the women's game like what is my life away from rugby because it can't always just be about rugby it's not necessarily a viable career. So I always think like, who is Robin? Yes, Robin is this international rugby player, but who else do I want to be? And I think like, you know, I'd love to, I love my job. I'm currently, I work with Freedom Leisure and I just, they're an amazing company to work with. So I'm happy to stay put with them and just see see how my career progresses with them. But, you know, being a mum and, you know, thinking about kind of a family, that's something that I'm uh, I'm quite keen to think about. But I just think, you know, I had I'm very much I had in my mind what I wanted my life to look like at 21 and it, it changed quite quickly. So I have a vague plan, but I also think, you know, if I'm happy with what I'm doing, which is playing rugby and. seeing my seeing my mates who play rugby and just, you know, you know, working with rugby against cancer, that's something that I really want to start start really getting my teeth into, um, you know i'm 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 happy to do that you No know, big goals i've always you've always got a goal set haven't you without then, yeah. but without them going if this doesn't happen that's that's really bad so you know I'm, I'm just really happy with where i am at the moment working working and helping people through rugby against cancer playing rugby really enjoying it being in like this class set up with gloucester enjoying playing for wales um and i'm happy with Support I've got for my partner, my little fur babies. Maybe <laughs> I'll have no more fur babies. Although saying that, like me and Andrew are both really dark haired. So like we, our child probably would be another fur baby, but
0: <laughs> Has for you, has the World Cup been if you want to start a family, has the World Cup been delayed a year? Is that that's really annoying? Screwed with my plan, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, um yes and no, because I also like so obviously. <laughs> I guess you got like devastated about World Cup, like really, like why, why have we done this? But part of me thinks like, like I said, at 21, I had my, I had my work, like stop. But I was the only person who was in that situation. All my friends carried on at uni, like my teammates carried on playing, like the world still kept moving. And I had to stop like on my own and don't do anything for a year, like you're sick. So I think, obviously it's it's really devastating that the world cup's been delayed but part of me goes you know if it means that you know if it means that as as nations we can get more friendlies in if it means that when we go over to new zealand the experience is better like we get to you know there's not the quarantine either end so that four weeks that you're just sat in the hotel quarantining actually you can be immersed in the new zealand culture for me selfishly i can spend more time with my family like our families can come out and watch us play in World Cups. I just, I think things do happen for a reason. Um, so yeah, World Cup being delayed, the plan was to start thinking about children after World Cup, but what's what's another year? Like, yeah. and, and actually there's me saying, I'm, I'm going to have children. We might, not, we might not conceive immediately. It might be the fact that we don't conceive and we then have to go through an adoption process or IVF, like, so yeah. Post World Cup, the plan is to begin thinking about a family. Mm. Obviously, at the moment, not to
0: like talk about my contraception methods on your podcast. Oh, <laughs> talk about whatever you like on our podcast. We're
2: here for it. So, currently,
3: at the moment, we um <laughs> minimize uh, the intercourse. Um, <laughs>
0: that's the first like. time anybody said intercourse on our podcast, but I'm here for it
3: yeah, yeah totally.
0: hashtag intercourse <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant um, right, I just need to plug my laptop in and then we've got some quick fire cues for you where you can chat about yeah whatever you want there
1: I mean I'm open to some my intercourse
2: here, so I, I mean that's I good. feel like you've brought our pod to an absolute belter of an end so thank well, you
3: yeah Bonds what the hell you bring me on here and then I, I'm gonna go downstairs I'm gonna say to Andrew yeah, how was it I'm like yeah but well, I um, I think I spoke about our sex life <laughs>
2: So good, I love it. Well, to finish off, we've literally got five quickfire questions, just a bit of fun, um, and it's always nice hearing what others think to these questions because me and Rona love a quickfire between ourselves. So oh we'll give it a go
3: as well on your podcast. And I think, like, what would I answer? <laughs> but, uh, oh God!
2: Okay, here we go. So, question one: Would you rather be able to speak all the languages in the world or talk to animals?
3: See, you used to say play musical instruments, didn't you? We've changed it. And you changed it, because I was like that, straight up, all the languages. This isn't quick fly now, is it? I would want to talk to animals, because my dog does this, like, mm, mm, noise to loads of random stuff. I want to know what he's saying.
0: Fair. If you had a superpower, would it be invisibility or super strength? Super strength. So you can bench a lot well i mean i do that anyway, but... can already do that
3: <laughs> 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 i can do my bench She's and shit drunk. can't bench on, like
2: that. 50 kgs like it's so i'm <laughs> <laughs> um, okay question three this is a juicy one so you're on the toilet you clock the toilet paper let's get into the last it's like the drags of the toilet paper do mm. you a replace the toilet paper or b leave it for the next person to Sort
3: out. No, I replace it because I've been caught out with this, and you've had to do the pants down shuffle. Like try and like shake it off and then do the pants down shuffle to find us in toilet roll or be like, excuse me, to the person in the keyboard next to you, you don't need toilet roll. Oh. Like I don't want to stranger touching my new roll. So I would replace it because I'm a good human. A good
0: human, fair play. Question number four. What is your favourite day of the week? Saturday.
3: Game day.
2: (laughs) Good answer. Saturday for the girls. (laughs)
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) G-H. Okay, final one. What is your star sign? Pisces. Pisces.
3: So I'm (laughs) supposed to be quiet and sensitive, but my rising sign is Gemini, which makes sense
0: right or gemini's outgoing
3: yeah gemini's wow they actually they say gemini's are outgoing but then whenever i tell people they're like oh gemini they're like psychotic because they've got that that whole like they're two-faced i don't think i am double chinned but i'm not (laughs) two-faced
0: i thought aries was a psychotic star sign
3: yeah, so but people always think, because is it Aries that is near February? But yeah, I'm Pisces, which makes me super sensitive. Oh. And apparently introverted.
0: <laughs> Not true. So I was listening to a podcast about horoscopes, and basically they had this kid, uh, this, I was going to say kid of class, this class of school kids, and read them all, or, or like printed them off all their horoscope, but it was the same one for everyone. And everybody was like, oh my God, that sounds so like me. And it was, like, the same one for everyone. (laughs)
3: It does make it, like... But I remember, so we... My second... Between my first and second year of uni, I went to Nepal, and um, one of the girls there, she was from... Where was she from? Missouri? Wisconsin? Somewhere in America. They're probably two separate ends. I'm so ignorant. I don't know. Milwaukee? Don't know. Anyway, that's not the story. But she was really into astrology and, like, numerology. So she was like, oh, my God, we'll do your... um, Birth chart. I was like, "Is that like a birthmark? Like, what is that?" And she was like, "So you find out your like your star sign, your you start like which is your sun sign, your moon sign, moon and your rising sign. So like your rising sign is like your what you put out to the world, what people first see from you." And she was like, "Oh, you're Gemini. This so makes sense." And then she was my obviously my star sign is Pisces. She was like, "Yeah, I I totally get it." And apparently my, my moon sign was Gemini as well, which basically makes me a psycho. I don't know. When does your moon sign come out? When it's <laughs> the moon. <laughs> At night. You start, it, like, you start to grow claws and like, oh, and then I go Gemini. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, brilliant. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. That was amazing. Sorry about our awkward questioning. It's all right, don't
3: worry. Big C. It's
0: okay. you <laughs> handled it very well.
3: It would be awkward if my star sign was cancer. Like, oh, don't <laughs> <you shut>
2: it. <laughs> she you don't shut up about it. You know? <laughs> to be fair, we should have just asked you the quick fires at the start then. We would have rolled yeah. right into it. Yeah. Oh, so
3: speaking of your star sign, talk to us about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you've got an incredible story. I'm so pleased that we get to share a wee bit about it on our podcast. No, yeah, thanks.
3: No, but, like the girls, the podcast is amazing you guys have smashed it oh. and like you bring together like the rugby community as well and like
1: Righteous and like just like women
3: i just think it's amazing oh, oh. thanks so much we are
1: doctors lawyers mothers footballers first minister port laureate we're on the move and i'm telling you the glass ceiling's going we're coming through rise up rise up take the stage Play your game and don't be afraid. You don't work your far or Jones of heart. Always be proud of who you are. Girl, gotta hold your head up high. Don't let this moment pass you by. You can be anything you believe.